On this week's episode, we're going to give our predictions for Linux and open source in 2024. You, the community, get to hold us accountable. So make sure that Ryan is taking consideration uh, of what? what? Huh? Why just me? I mean, I have the best predictions. In fact, if you go back and look at my predictions over the years, 100% (laughs) of them have come true. 100%. 100% of them. Okay. We need to go check those and make sure. Yeah, go do that. that. No one's going to go do that. (laughs) No one's going to do that. (laughs) No. But you, the community, get to hold us accountable. So get your text editors ready to capture these down. And next year... We will not find out if Ryan is 100% right. I will be. Prediction. <laughs> so welcome to episode 355 of Destination X, your favorite video podcast. My name is Michael. I'm Jill. And I'm the Oracle. Or Ryan. Either way. <laughs> oh, Ryan? Did you say oh, Ryan? Oh, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, We're Ryan, also g- you're my only hope. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> We're also going to cover Zorin OS 17 <laughs> in this episode. So now let's get this show on the road toward Destination Linux. So our feedback this week comes from Jeremy. He says, hi there. I have a question about keyboards for Jill. Listen, Jeremy, there's two other hosts on here (laughs) that you could. Exactly. You know, exactly. We have so much experience with keyboards. Okay. Ryan has so much experience with keyboards. I have lots of keyboards in my history as a computer user, but worth talking about, I think, too. Yeah. Yeah, so. Michael. When Michael and I met, he was the Dollar General keyboard kind of guy. He that is ridiculous. There. It was Walmart. Thank Walmart. you. Yeah, the cheapest and, one. Uh, <laughs> all right. Jeremy goes on to say, as of late, I'm having a hard time finding a good keyboard. Last keyboard I found was a Razer Black Widow Ultimate 2016 model, which actually was a great keyboard. It was a great keyboard. Mm-hmm. As green keys has a good layout, a side USB port, and just about the right amount of tactile feedback for me. Seems most of all the keyboards I try in the big box stores are a disappointment nowadays. That's very true. Plus, people have this thing where they like to pick the keys off and ruin the display units in a lot of the big box stores. And then, do you really want to touch a keyboard that's out there in the open on display anyways? And everybody's putting their grimy little Cheeto fingers all over them? Like, There's a thing that says that, I forgot where I saw this, but there was some kind of article that says that keyboards are like the most disgusting thing in your house after being like tested by various different studies or whatever. And then to imagine thousands and thousands of people touching the keyboard. And you know, know, little kids, they just pick their nose, plus adults probably too. And then they're over there like, you know, just rubbing their hands on. But there was a place (laughs) called Fry's and Fry's used to have alcohol swap. Yes, they did. By the keyboard so you could wipe it down and then test it. And then, you know, it would be cleaner. That was cool. Anyway, sorry, Jeremy. We're on a little bit of tangent there. Uh, A little OCD on the keyboards on display, clearly. It goes on to say, uh, as I see it, I have a few options for a good keyboard, each with their own drawbacks. Number one, try to continue to buy this model on eBay, clean and revive them. Labor intensive, though. Maybe try getting some old IBM Mechanical PS2 keyboards off of eBay, but old components. And look for custom keyboard option, expensive. Any suggestion for someone who likes clicky, responsive keyboards, are there good modern options best Jeremy. So Jill, since Jeremy wants nothing to do with Michael <laughs> and me, we will stay quiet during this part Aww. and uh, let you tell Jeremy what you think. Yes. Well, Jeremy, there's <laughs> lots of great no options. There. <laughs> there's lots of great options out there. And thank you so much for writing in. Um, 
as a lot of people might know, I have hundreds of keyboards in my computer hardware museum. So it was actually really hard to choose, but I actually narrowed it down to three suggestions for you for clicky and really responsive keyboards, both old and new, that are some of my personal favorites. And like you, Jeremy, one of my favorite keyboards of all time is made by Razer. I have their original Black Widow Chroma keyboard with green mechanical switches and per-key RGB. It was the first in the series. And Remember when Razer fact, was good? Like, all their keyboards were good? Oh, all of yeah, them were good. They were so good. No. <laughs> I actually put it in the original box. Uh, so, Of course you did, Jill. <laughs> so this is my original, and um, I used it... For quite a few years on Linux, and it's still available on Amazon, both uh, new and old. And I was I was surprised to see new ones available. That was very nice. New, it is actually ninety nine dollars and used fifty five dollars. Bet this is actually the keyboard that helped me win two of my favorite games of all time: Portal Two and the Talos Principle. <laughs> so I I gave this keyboard lots of love. Jill has memories tied to her two hundred keyboards. <laughs> Each individual keyboard has a special memory. They've got a story that goes along with them. Like, oh, this is the one where I won Talus on, and this is the one where like Portal. I wish I remembered that much stuff about my. I have no clue what keyboard was doing. No idea. No, that's. I can can tell you how long I used a keyboard in the rough range of like a few years, give or take a decade. Yeah. Yeah. Aww. I guess I'm a little OCD about it. <laughs> I think it's adorable. I, love I it. think yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I wanted to let you know, Jeremy, the keyboard you like, the Razer Black Widow, Widow Ultimate, is available right now on Amazon for used starting at $120. And I actually found a new one for $244. <laughs> and that's a, that is a, a lot of money. So so it, better off getting the used. And uh, the link is actually in the show notes. And yes, eBay is always a good option too. I found one that looks to be in a great shape for $52 on eBay. And in fact, I had the seller offer me a lower price and hmm. it looked in beautiful condition. So those links are in the show it's notes. It's kind of a mini treasure hunt, Michael. We got <laughs> It Maybe does that was that Jeremy's way. plan the whole time. He actually has the keyboard sneaky... he wants. He just wanted a treasure hunt. <laughs> it's, a, it's a sneaky a, a, a way to get a treasure hunt, but also not a mini one because Jill said that she had three keyboards to talk yes. about. Okay. Yes. What's next, Jill? <laughs> so the next one is actually really cool. It's one of my. It's another one of my favorites in my collection. It's my smallest keyboard in my collection. And at the time, my Steve husband gifted it to me quite a few years ago. It was the smallest keyboard ever made. Oh, this look one. at that. That's look cute. at that. Beautiful. It's awesome. That would be perfect it, for your tiny thumbs, Michael. <laughs> what? It is, <laughs> it is my Vortex Core 40% Cherry MX Blue Switches keyboard made by Vortex Keyboard. And this keyboard comes with a learning curve. Almost every key is available depending on the layer you're on. And there are three layers. So you got to use multiple keys and the function key to get to all the different layers. But once you learn it, (laughs) it's it's really an incredible experience. It also looks like it's got split keyboards for my weak thumbs. Yes, Yes. it does. Weak and small (laughs) space bar. 
And the one thing I love about this, (laughs) it has the most satisfying click of almost every keyboard I own. And actually, maybe even a little bit more than the Razer. (laughs) I was just Mm. really floored by this keyboard and the the feel of it. And that's why, you know, I'm like, I'm going to... I'm going to learn this 40% keyboard so I can give it love. <laughs> looks like a keyboard would be made for a, f- a phone or something. You know, you dock yeah. your phone on and type on it. Like it's so <laughs> tiny for those who so can't tiny. see what we're talking about. You should be watching the video version. You should be watching the video. Yeah. We actually do a video too. Uh, I know most of you just like to listen to the audio. Video. What? <laughs> oh, Easy way to get to the, the video. audio. You can go to destinationlinux.net slash YouTube and boom. Yeah. Yeah. And this keyboard is customizable, and you can record macros, and it's just under $100. But don't fret, uh, Jeremy. Vortex sells high-quality keyboards of all sizes and types, including 60%, 70%, 90%, full-size, and old-school layout keyboards with Cherry MX switches. So nice. you can find any layout you want from this brand. So if you get a keyboard that has Cherry MX Blues, for example, that if you want the clicky keys, yes, does it matter? Like if it's whatever keyboard it is, it wouldn't it have me like the same kind of feel because it's the same switches, or yeah, does it matter? It it it's just the click noise, <laughs> and okay. obviously the the click it would be different. Well, I think the keycaps, the click noise, the underbase, yeah. whether they're yeah. padding in between. As you can tell, I'm a very big keyboard expert. That's <laughs> no <my> question. <laughs> No, but it's it's good because like this is actually uh, blue, but very very high quality blue. Uh, mm-hmm. There's some blues that are are quite a bit louder. So is it a royal blue or a sky blue or <laughs> just, just regular blue? Uh, oh, okay. It's the same blue as her shirt on right now. <laughs> okay, got I, it. That blue. I do ac- actually have one of their keyboards. Also Video watchers could know what that the- color is. <laughs> With brown keys, and the brown keys are much quieter, yeah. but the keys themselves still feel. The same, really but you just yeah. don't have the noise, that tactile click noise mm-hmm. as loud. But the, it is still there, so it's still satisfying. I like the Browns <laughs> for the fact that we record stuff and it's not picked up as easily. Exactly. Yeah. In fact, that's why these keyboards I use on my other computers, not on my uh, uh, podcasting <laughs> computer right. here in the studio. Because I'm... Right, right now, my keyboard I'm using is a pink one with blue with uh, brown switches because it's quieter. <laughs> yeah. So, what's but, your third option, Jill? We've got we've got Mini Me keyboard here by Vortex. Yes. And the third one is what? The third one is the Mini Me keyboard. <laughs> something very very special. It is the granddaddy of them all in my collection, the classic IBM Model M buckling spring Ooh. keyboard. Woohoo! Sing to and me. And it's a big chonky board. <laughs> <laughs> big chonky. <laughs> oh, yeah. That brings Light back heavy. some memories. <laughs> it's like going from the smallest to the biggest yeah. you can get. Yeah. <laughs> it's not only a keyboard, it is a self-defense item as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, ooh, that click. Oh, that, my God. That click is just... Yeah. <laughs> there's nothing like it. There's nothing, nothing, nothing like this. <laughs> Why can't modern keyboards be like I don't that, know. though? Why can't oh. they sound like that? It's but they so can. Good. 
they actually can. Okay. So I want to tell you a little bit of history of the Model M keyboards. They're a group of computer keyboards designed and manufactured by IBM starting in 1985 and later by Lexmark International, Maxi Switch, and Unicomp. And you can, you know, give course, get used ones over at eBay, of course. But did you know, Michael Ryan, that Unicomp is still making Model M keyboards? No, I had no at, idea. <laughs> at a reasonable price, too. I want. Uh, starting at $125, and they come in multiple colors, sizes, and layouts, and you have a choice of USB or a PS2 connector. So you can get a Model M with a USB connector. <laughs> USB and buckling spring. Yeah, <laughs> yes. That's buckling cool. Spring. Wow. And Unicomp makes many other modern retro keyboards with classic Unix layouts. So if there's a computer manufacturer from the 70s and 80s that you really like that the layout of, you can most likely, uh, they have it in their catalog, that layout. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah. I will find one. You can also set your keyboard size. You can do the, or spacebar size, I'm sorry. You can get the big spacebar or smaller spacebar with it. And you've got a couple color mm -hmm. options here. Can you get a split spacebar yeah. for my thumbs? <clears throat> Your weak thumbs? No, they don't have any. <laughs> yeah, they didn't have here. that on there. <laughs> yeah. That's a shame. We'll, we'll write to them and see if they can get that fixed. For those who are yeah. curious, uh, there is a story behind that, but I don't remember where it started, so I don't actually have a quick URL to tell you. But Someone knows there is a story either. behind There's a. It's a ridiculous story of Ryan making up stuff about me. There we yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Never happened before. <laughs> so all the links for all of my three suggestions are in the show notes. And also, there are many, many other companies that make great clicky keyboards like Logitech, Coursera, Asus, Ducky, EpoMaker is another really popular one right now. And uh, yeah, so if you would like to find out about another one of my favorite clicky keyboards in my collection, just go ahead and, and watch Destination Linux episode number 233. Where on my treasure hunt, I talk about another one of my favorites. <laughs> That's nice. awesome, Jill. Those Yay. are great recommendations. The last one has me intrigued. I'm actually yeah. about to buy one right cool. now. And um, so I, I have yeah, to have that sound. You don't have enough keyboards. I have yeah. to have that sound. <laughs> like, it's just. <laughs> I'm giving Ryan a hard time about not having enough keyboards. And then Jill said she's like hundreds of keyboards. Yeah, <laughs> like, okay, yeah never mind. <laughs> Uh, I personally use Jeremy since you asked my opinion as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what, what, what do you use, Ryan? I use the Ducky one, the which Ducky. I absolutely nice. adore. I think it's Aww. one of the greatest keyboards I have used in a long time. I really highly recommend it, Jeremy. Thanks for asking. <laughs> and also, my recommendation Michael. is whatever Ryan and Jill said. Yeah. Because my experience is... Well, actually, my experience with the keyboard is the first mechanical keyboard I ever experienced was when Ryan gave me one to try, and then I kept it, and that's Never it. Looked back. Yeah, I still, I am <laughs> still using back. it right now. Actually, wow. I also have another one that I got, but uh, I accidentally got blue keys, so I didn't oh, realize it yeah. was. It was nice because the keyboard itself was on like Black Friday sale, so it was only like forty five bucks. So, but it was a Redragon keyboard. A oh, Redragon, yeah, yeah those are good. bad. So it's yeah. re, by the way, it's Redragon because there's only one D in the name of the company. 
Well, I guess uh, that's true. <laughs> there you go. So, or it's red, or it's red ragon. One of the red two. Red ragon. <laughs> that's it. A could good one, be Michael. It could be one of those. Uh, but it's a really nice keyboard, and the fact that it's so reasonably priced too. Um, but I don't know if it's like nice. the best option for someone. But it is still a pretty good keyboard. And also, Redragon creates this other because you were talking about how some of these companies have all shapes and sizes of various, like the Vortex keyboards. Yeah. Uh, Redragon also does that too, but they have the most ridiculous keyboard I have ever heard of, and I really want to try it. It is. I'm pretty sure three feet long. Yeah, the giant one. The giant one it. where the keycaps are like the size of your fist. Yes. Like, it's ridiculous, and I really want it. Sounds amazing. You can go demo that at Micro Center. <laughs> they have those there. I almost Sadly, there is no Micro Center near me. Oh. Or me anymore. It is really sad. But you know oh. what's funny? In Texas, the place that has the best electronics is a furniture mart. And it's got, <laughs> I'm not even joking. The place is like four stories, Nebraska furniture, something like that. And it's it's got more components than a Best Buy and Micro Center. Oh, that's pretty funny. Like, is it like a, it's like a speakeasy entrance? Or they have something? this whole section. <laughs> it's, it's a secret thing you need to know. Like, the keyboards are over here. Uh, yeah. And so my wife wanted to go furniture shopping, and that's to me just death. And then I walked in there, and me and my son had the greatest time ever. We're like, we're never leaving this furniture place. So I think they're awesome. genius because now every husband yeah. wants to go. That's how they shop. get you. That's how they get you. How they yeah. get you. Uh, by the way, I just uh, finished ordering my Unicomp Model M keyboard, so I'm really excited to get that. So thank you. Nice. Yay. By the way, if you have a question for Michael and I, you can send your question to tuxdigital.com slash contact, and we mm -hmm. might include it in the show and answer said question. Specifically, if it is tailored to us. Yes. <laughs> yep. Or Jill, if you want. Especially Jill. Especially Jill. Hey, Ryan, what do you call an endpoint security product that works perfectly but makes users miserable? Hmm. Let me think about that. I've heard of this one before. Uh, that's a failure, Michael. That that's is a failure. a failure. You're right. Exactly. The old approach to endpoint security is to lock down employee devices and roll out changes through forced restarts, but that just doesn't work. The IT department is miserable because they've got a mountain of support tickets. Employees start using personal devices just to get their work done. And executives opt out the first time that that makes them late for a meeting or yep. something like that. You can't have a successful security implementation unless you work with end users, and that's where Collide comes in. Their user-first device trust solution notifies users as soon as it detects an issue on their device. And more importantly, it teaches them how to solve it themselves without needing help from IT. That way, untrusted devices are blocked from authenticating, but the users don't stay blocked. Collide is designed for companies with Okta, and it works on Linux, macOS, and Windows, as, as well as mobile devices. So if you have Okta and you're looking for a device trust solution that respects your team, visit destinationlinux.net slash collide to watch a demo and see how it works. That's destinationlinux.net slash K-O-L-I-D-E. You know, this is really interesting because I've been a part of many security rollouts that have had this exact situation described here happen where the second, like it'll roll out to users, they're miserable, but the second it impacts an executive, the that's whole when we thing, change everything. The whole thing gets rolled back and yep. now we're less secure than we were before because they don't really, the, the, these products don't really respect 
you know, the entire implementation of what people have to do to get them set up and started and used. And so this is awesome. I would take something like Collide, go to my business and be like, hey, we need something like this that respects end users, that we have security, but it's security that people can use without getting completely frustrated and not being able to do their job because that's doesn't really help either if you can't do your job, but it's secure. Yeah. Yeah. Balancing security and usability is a very important thing. And it's awesome that Collide makes that possible. By the way, Michael, we have a example of this with a bank. We won't name them, but they're so <laughs> secure that we can't even get into our bank yeah. uh, anymore. Exactly. And we are so We don't have to worry about people getting into our money because we can't. <laughs> We're changing banks. That's how frustrating their super secure system is. So yep. that shows you the importance of not only your internal employees having good security, but what you're doing for your external customers as well. You want the security without the frustration. Check out Collide. Check out Collide. DestinationLinux.net slash Collide. So it's that time of year where we do our 2024 predictions. And let me tell you something. There's other shows out there do predictions, but nobody does it like us because I'm a hundred percent correct in every prediction <laughs> I've ever made. Go look it up. You've and we are so good at predictions that we don't even go back and check to see if we're right because we know we're right. So if you do want to go see if what you have to go yourself to check out what we said and then verify through the yeah. research because yeah. we're not. 355 episodes to check these (laughs) predictions here. So I'm going to kick it off with my first prediction and we'll go, we'll go round Robin here. That's what it's called, right? Cool. And uh, everybody will tell their predictions and then you, the community will hold us accountable. So write these down, record this, make sure you mark. We are recording this, Ryan. (laughs) Mark this section in your podcast player, your YouTube video. Remind to come back. Yes. Put markers and yeah. bookmarks and Hold stuff. Hold us accountable because I yeah. know I'm 100% right. So you'll see if you're not going to go back through those episodes. Anyway, yeah, so. Hold me and Jill accountable, not Ryan because he's automatically <laughs> right. Of course, that's what he yeah. said. You know. Yeah. All right. So here's a big one. Everybody's talking about AI, right? So the open source versus proprietary wars, I think are about to start again, like heavier than ever. But this time, it's going to be a situation where I think open source is going to start out in a far stronger position, faster than what we had with the operating system and software battles of prior years. So I'm talking about AI and machine learning. And as ChatGPT and BARD focus on supposed security and safety of closed platforms, open source AI is going to bust through all of that and catch up faster than ever. And the thing is, because once open source is out there, once the code's out there, It's out there. There's no reining it back in. Whereas the proprietary stuff, they keep putting restrictions and blocks and stuff. Some of it for good reasons. Some of it, I'm sure there's people behind the scenes that have access to everything. Like, hey, what are the winning lottery numbers for next week that we don't get to see as users? But open source is just going to absolutely explode because governments outside the US will have a vested interest in supporting these efforts as well. Nobody wants to be left behind in the AI machine learning battles. So there's going to be a heavy investment in these open source models that are already out there for other governments and businesses to invest in, to bring them into their business. They can't afford 
the $10 billion investment, say, that Microsoft made into ChatGPT. So that's why I think these projects like PyTorch, TensorFlow, um, and other large language models like Llama are going to spawn some massive industry jumps to the point where proprietary tools are going to be sweating and they're going to be sweating so hard, they're going to be begging the government for regulations of saying we've got to stop the open source software, which we've already seen happen, by the way. They've already started to try oh, yeah. to stop open source existing in AI machine learning because they've also tried to stop open source in general. Like, you know, yeah. What if it gets in the wrong hands? What are people going to do with it? Listen, I, I could see the whole fear mongering of all of that. What if it gets in Ryan's disagree. hands? Well, yeah. What if it gets in my hands? Oh. I made Michael AI. And I gave it yes. out there to the world. It's out, the cat's out of the box. Yeah. I mean, Llama versus Michael AI. I mean, yeah. come on, I mean, clearly, truly. <laughs> so that's my prediction. I think open source is going to absolutely stampede in growth when it comes to AI machine learning this year. I think that's an interesting prediction. I don't know if you're going to be 100 percent correct on this one, but uh, I think it's an interesting thing. Nine, 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 nine percent. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> I think it's cool though, because I, I think there is a drastic opportunity here for open source and AI because AI is everywhere at this mm -hmm. point. You literally can't get away from it. You look at any kind of technology news or whatever, some AI involvement somewhere, and including cars and stuff now, like Volkswagen announced that they're going to do integration with ChatGPT in their cars. So you have a voice assistant that's ChatGPT, which I think is going to be a bad idea because what if you ask it for directions and it just makes it up because that's what it's known to do? <laughs> well, it's funny because, you know, they call it hallucinations. And one of the things that, that happens is if you challenge ChatGPT, it automatically takes the side of your side. So if you're like, hey, ChatGPT, what's four plus four? It's like eight. And you go, well, isn't it nine? It goes, I'm sorry, you're correct. It's nine. So like, there's so much wrong <laughs> with the iterations. Now, there's some cool things too. We can make fun of it, but it does some amazing. There amazing are some stuff. cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, these these AI things are pretty cool. So but, I I think yeah. your prediction is pretty interesting, and I hope you're right because that would be awesome. Yeah. yeah, same here, uh, Ryan. I was just thinking as you were talking about how we've talked about here on the show that the guardrail implementations for AI is open source. Like mm -hmm. NVIDIA has their guardrails and the Linux Foundation is setting up a guardrails. Right. You know, for... Uh, That's nice. Making now, with open legit, source, you so. could obviously remove the guardrails, but I think the same thing yeah. is going to happen. <laughs> You're telling me there's other governments not hacking the crap out of ChatGPT <laughs> and stuff right now? Like, come on. The, the, Governments have a vested interest, I think, and that amount of money they're going to pour into some of these open source options, they're going to make it a very viable platform. All right, Jill, what's your prediction? Give me one. Okay, so because of the popularity of the Steam Deck, mm -hmm. more game devs will make their games compatible with Linux and Proton. <laughs> That's I such know. an That's, easy one, Jill. It's an easy one. <laughs> It's a good I one, though. I like it. I like so it. we've learned that 
So, okay. So, Ryan, I yeah. just remembered something. All right. The last time we did a predictions episode, which was yeah. 2022, I think. Yeah. 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 I distinctly remember Jill choosing predictions that were very likely so that she would be right <laughs> yeah. because of this one. It, it jogged my memory. I'm like, oh, Terrible. right. Jill she did do that. Jill makes sure she's going to be right. Exactly. Yeah. I, I respect it. I respect it. It's it's Ryan and I have a game of who can be the worst at this, and Jill <laughs> is gonna. <laughs> I listen. I think that uh, Steam, the the Steam Deck has proven not only how popular gaming could be on Linux, uh, mm. and improved gaming on Linux, mm. but have you noticed that every competitor to it has flopped? Yes. Like the, mm-hmm. they they make this big deal like oh Zeus is coming out with this portable and the all this Steam stuff. Steam Deck and, killer. Yeah, it's the which Steam is Deck hilarious killer. because the Steam Deck was always the um, the Nintendo Switch killer, yeah. and yeah. it successfully basically did that right, and to a, some degree anyway. And you, there's still Nintendo specific I mean, games. Nintendo Switch is still super popular, but but also it has Nintendo games that you can't get on the Steam Deck, right? Sure. But this is uh, very cool because the Steam Deck, like you said, has basically come around changed everything and then people are trying to copy it and they can't do it because it's just such a good product and a lot of companies are already making stuff for compatibility with the steam deck and that has resulted in linux gaming becoming even better and better system right yeah it's it's been it's been fantastic and now you have you see people like even promote that their game works with steam deck yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they put more specs like in the Zeus versions and things. They put better specs. They'll put a better screen. They'll do all of the things that on paper should be like, oh, this is a killer. But they run Windows. It doesn't give you a different experience. You feel yeah, like you're on an experience. operating system. You feel like you're working yeah. on a computer. And I think Steam Deck choosing Linux was an absolutely brilliant move because, first of all, their their UI is insanely beautiful. Oh, and yeah. it feels like you're on a gaming system. But if you want to dock it and have an operating system, you can. Yeah. But while you're gaming, you feel like you're in a true gaming UI. You don't feel like you're on a Windows desktop with a little tiny cursor and eeny meeny little icons and all that kind of yeah. junk. Like, And it's a super polished it. experience, too. So yeah. it's, it doesn't even feel like you're using something on top of Linux. You're using something made specifically for this product, and it is great. And yeah, so the fact that you also have a Linux desktop at the same time, it's just, you know, bonus points. Incredible. Isn't it amazing how far big picture mode has come along? Remember that used to be kind of the The most annoying setting. (laughs) The most annoying thing about Steam. I know. And now it's just they they nailed it. They they got it compatible with the hardware and you know got turned on uh, game scope and and did all these things with it. Every time I clicked big picture (laughs) mode by right clicking the right icon. And choosing it, it was always accidental. And every yes, time I did same. it, I was like, "Oh no, I can't get out <laughs> and of this." It takes a while. It would yes. it would load, and you'd hear the <laughs> see the valve logo with the yep. sound. <laughs> yep. And now it's fantastic. So <laughs> yeah. well there done, valve. Yes. All right, Michael. Let's see if you played it as safe as Jill. What's your prediction? I did not. However, it's somewhat relevant because <laughs> I wanted to talk about the Linux market share that it will rise thanks to Valve and the Steam Deck. And I'm making a prediction that it will rise to at least 4% and possibly 5% this year. Mm, okay. Yeah. Based on the Steam hardware survey, that sort of thing. Uh, and maybe other places too, but I think it's it's hard to define exactly where unless you talk about... Right. Right. 
Right. And so you're predicting next this year it will go up one to two more percent. At least four percent and maybe to five percent. Right. Yeah. I think that's a good one, Michael. Yeah. All right. So I have to have your backing, Jill and Michael, on this. You have to build a, you have to back up what I'm gonna say because you all know that I got sick and we missed a week, but I had true. wrote this show before that. And so yeah. this prediction actually came true while I was out sick recently. Cool. And so, <laughs> so what part, you're saying is that you're going to throw it out and make a new prediction right now on well, the spot. <laughs> it's got a part of it that's a future prediction. And then there's a part of it that I was saying it was going to happen and it did happen. And so oh. anyways, I just need your backing that I didn't write this. Yeah. I didn't write okay. This. I will check. Yeah. I'm going to check right now when exactly you wrote this. Yeah. And, um, Okay, fair enough. You wrote this basically January 2nd. There you go. January 1st, 2nd. Okay, it was before. All right, right, here we go. So (laughs) before this officially happened, uh, cryptocurrency, I believe, is going to get a surge in popularity due to investors, at the point it was rumored, to be able to ETF or trade on the exchange without actually having to own the assets themselves. So... That's not a rumor anymore because that officially happened after I wrote this, that it was approved that you can trade Bitcoin in ETFs or stocks essentially on the market. So you don't have to, like you can gold or other things, actually have the asset. So if interest rates fall, I think so are, which is also a prediction for this year, uh, I think that people are going to be investing in more volatile assets. And I am not saying... To go buy crypto. This is financial advice from Ryan, yes. This is not financial advice at all. Oh, okay. In fact, okay. I think it's very risky, a very risky investment. And any amount that you would invest, you should be absolutely willing to lose 100% of it uh, because crypto is that vol- volatile, just like going to Vegas. Um, but mm-hmm. all signs show for the potential for an interesting time for open source Bitcoin. Bitcoin is open source. And crypto markets. Uh, this is not investment advice. I'm an idiot, and this is just a prediction for fun. Uh, so talk with a professional, like an FTX investor, that really know their stuff. <laughs> uh, per- when professionals for sure. <laughs> but the reason why I wanted to bring this particular prediction in is because I just think it's going to be really interesting to see how Bitcoin changes this year. We've had a very weird economy. You now have it out there on the stock exchange. People get a little more risky with their money, especially if interest rates drop. So it'll be interesting to watch the show there on cryptocurrency. And there's some open source components to that whole cryptocurrency thing. So there you go. Very good, Ryan. Thank you, Jill. I, I think it's a interesting prediction and probably, I mean, without the first half already happened. The other one's probably going to happen. Interest yeah. rates will fall and then people will, you know, probably lose money in Vegas style. <laughs> I mean, there's some people who've made money off of it. Uh, some, sure, sure. Not FTX people. <laughs> Did you like the FTX part? I loved yeah. it. I laughed when it was, I was that. I was laughing was, to myself. Like, talk to an FTX there, For those who don't know what F- that means, uh, FTX was this big exchange that was making all these massive waves and marketing massive people and getting so many people to talk oh, about how great it was. Yeah. And then it just collapsed on itself. And turns out it was fraud. It was all fraud. Yeah. <laughs> So that's celebrities and big businesses and everybody involved in the fraud. It was amazing. 
I mean, hopefully they were tricked too, but still, you know, you might want to vet some stuff if we're talking about like that kind of money. There you go. Anyway, Jill, give us another of your predictions. Yeah. So another one is that immutable Linux OSs become even more popular, mm. like Blend OS that Michael and Ryan are using on their podcasting rigs right now to do the show. Oh, Michael, I switched. And like Steam OS that I use on my Steam Deck every day. All right. Number two of guaranteed <laughs> Jill wins. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's also Vanilla OS, Endless OS, and the growing popularity of Nix OS. And there is actually Fedora Silverblue using the GNOME desktop, Fedora Onyx using the Budgie desktop, and more Fedora spins of immutable desktops I am sure will be coming this year. <laughs> I think there's no question about that. And Canonical's Snap-based Ubuntu desktop possibly coming this year in April for the 24.04 LTS release. Yeah. So I think it's more likely that's going to be 2410. <laughs> they don't want to put that in the LTS stuff. Yeah. So we Jill might have overstepped a, like a tad bit. A tad like everything bit. else I think she got. Yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, there's certain projects that bring out really passionate people that get behind them, you know, like Arch. Like, you know, you, you get memes created from it and everything else because of, yes. hey, are you using Arch? I use Arch. I use Arch, right? And <laughs> Ryan's I talking that, about the people who do that as a meme, but he's also one I of I am the people. meme, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I've noticed, like, the most passionate people lately, like when I do a video or something, they're always leaving comments about, like, have you tried this? It's NixOS now. Like, NixOS mm -hmm. people are that people now. Like, have you tried NixOS? Have you tried NixOS? It's better. Have you tried NixOS? So yeah. at some point this year, I got to try NixOS, you know, <laughs> give it a good. I think that's going to be an interesting thing. We should maybe, like, challenge ourselves to do, like, an episode on it just to see what, it, you know, yeah. the, the fuss is about. I, I know like a lot of the stuff about the Nix OS. It's very interesting, but it's also super different than every other kind of Linux yeah. system. So yeah. it's it's going to be a, a challenge that we'll have to take. Blend OS was such a win that mm -hmm. it's really set the bar for me of immutable OS. So <laughs> Blend OS to me is the, the best of the best. Well, but I can I've tell only you used Silver Blue and other things like Silver Blue and all that stuff was okay, uh, but. Blend OS was like next level. Next I level. can confidently say that the one of the reasons that you liked Blend OS was because of its uh, flexibility and the power it offers, but also the quick, easy access to get into it. Yeah. That is yeah. not NixOS. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, and Blend OS had Arch. Yeah. In it. Well, that too. Sure. <laughs> but yes, I think Jill is probably right yeah. in this prediction. Jill. <laughs> Jill. So safe, Jill. All right, Aww. Michael, what's your prediction? All right, mine is going to be very similar to what Ryan talked about earlier on like some of it. Cryptocurrency? wrote it before it came true, and this is kind of sort of coming true too. We don't know for sure, but there is a there's a likelihood mm -hmm. that it will mm -hmm. happen. So Cosmic Desktop is released as an alpha version. That's part of that. It might be true uh, and probably will be. And Ryan will have no ability to resist it and switches to it immediately, regardless of the alpha label. <laughs> All of yeah. this is very... Yes. I mean, I can't I deny it. you were it. right on. Probably going to happen. I cannot deny this. Like, it's a take my money situation, even though I don't think they're even charging for it. But if they did, I'd pay uh, to try it. <laughs> yeah. so, I mean, that's a hint there, uh, Cosmic. You know, you know, ask 3 or $4 to try the alpha because I would pay it just to play with uh, the new desk. I'm so excited about Cosmic. 
I'm excited yeah. about this for System76. Uh, I think the possibilities here with the Rust implementation, we need a new desktop environment. Yeah, we do. I know do. there's a lot of it's people time. who are like, oh, we have so many. <laughs> but we don't have one that just fits it all. Like, just, just... I want one Everything just, is a piecemeal that you got to do something to right? make it work for you. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's, they're all good enough, but I want something that just like rocks my socks. And I'm hoping that Cosmic Desktop is that. So I'm pretty excited about that prediction. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm very excited about Cosmic as did well. Did it come out in alpha, by the way? Because you said- No. Okay. It's, it, Not it's, yet. They're they talked about- it. So they released this week, they released an article uh, for the roadmap to alpha, suggesting that it will be in 2404 of Pop! OS, which is expected to be in sometime during the summer of this year. So if that's the case, then it'll probably come out as an alpha sometime relatively soon even. And I mean, not relatively soon, but you know, in between now and summer. So that would be likely that it's going to happen. Maybe it gets pushed back, but I feel like that. I mean, it's kind of similar to how yours is, is, like I feel like it's very light. Like I'm yeah. very confident that it will happen. Yeah. So <laughs> yes. I'm thinking System76 partners with Frameworks. They designed their first laptop together. Has Rust on it as the Cosmic Desktop. You know the Rust Cosmic Desktop, and that's how they release. Wouldn't that be? Wouldn't that That'd be, be awesome? Sweet? That would be awesome. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Freaking All right. awesome. So my prediction: Frameworks releases a tablet or handheld device of some kind, and the DL crew meaning all of us, will yes. absolutely have to buy one and rave about how dope it is. <laughs> all yeah. I have to do to make sure you lose this one is to not buy it. You can't not. <laughs> Boom. But not buy it. It's impossible. <laughs> A Frameworks handheld device. You telling me you wouldn't buy it? I would probably buy it, yes. You silly yeah. man, you. If, especially if it was a good tablet, which is yes. not, that's not been a <sighs> thing that's been that possible. upgrade for it won't yeah. look like it's five inches thick like some companies do. Like, ours is upgradable. Yeah. Of course it is. And, it's and, literally five inches thick. Yeah. Like, how could it not be upgradable? Like, yeah. they'll create something that's as beautiful as their laptops. And, oh, I want a framework And so maybe one that's two-sided. The one side could be OLED. The other side could be e-ink. Oh, man. That's that, like we talked about one of the phones where I was trying to get a different thing for yeah. every single side. I, if they did that, that would be amazing. You'd have like an e-reader plus a tablet. And uh, although that would maybe cause some issues in terms of durability, wouldn't it? Not mm -hmm. with frameworks. They'll figure it out. They're geniuses. Yeah, yeah you're right. You're right. They'll figure it out. Geniuses. <laughs> All right, Jill, what's your prediction? Okay. This one might be a little controversial. So it's probably my oh. most controversial one. That's why uh -oh. I didn't put people, it in until, 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 until Jill's going to jump the, the shark. All right. Get ready, people. The year of the Wayland desktop. <laughs> but truth be told, I am running Wayland right now. And so uh -huh. is Michael and Ryan. Yep. So, I think I might be. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you got to check. Aww. So yes. on one, I have one of my drives that is um, yeah. Plasma with X and another X. one is Plasma with Wayland. And okay. it's because of like gaming is not as good so for some games. And uh, yeah. that's not really the case for like most of the time because a lot of gaming on Wayland has become better and better and better. Uh, but there are like specific games that aren't Wayland compatible yet. Yes. So that correct. might be a, a thing that where uh, it calls an issue for some people. But this is definitely a very strong prediction from Jill. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm shocked. Uh, year of Wayland on the desktop. Well, well what, what qualifies that? To be the year of Wayland, like what? What is the criteria to be? The Anybody year? uses Wayland, you because know she's going to win no so matter many, what. 
Yeah, so many people are running Wayland and don't even know it because they've just been updating yeah. their OSs. And it's just like when, when we went from Alsa um, to Pipewire. You know, a lot of people didn't know that that was changing when they updated their OS. Well, that that's true, but there there are times where you notice that you're using Wayland. It's yeah. it, Pipewire is like it, it's nice that you can sometimes go to Wayland and, and not notice it, but sometimes it, it, when you do notice it, it's a very in your face issue. Whereas yeah. Pipewire, I have never noticed it whatsoever. So that's that part. If we can get Wayland to do that, that would be awesome. But I think that there's another side to this story. So, Ryan, Jill, I think what's going to happen is that the year of the Wayland on the desktop Mm -hmm. might not have happened until Jill said it on the show. And just so (laughs) that Jill is right, all of the people who use and watch this show will go and get Wayland to make sure it works. And then also all the distros will make sure Wayland is the default. That yeah. is what I am expecting. <laughs> it wasn't up. It was up until now. They weren't sure. But now that Jill has made a prediction, think- they want to make sure she is right on everything. And then it happens. You know, oh. it's, a, it's a new year, Michael. And yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to do things different. I'm going to do something crazy right now. This is crazy. Oh. I'm going to do the tip and trick of the week right here, right now. Give you an extra bonus tip and trick of the week. If you want to check if you're using Wayland, yeah. type in this command. You're going to do echo space dollar sign xdg underscore session underscore type and if it comes back wayland yes you're on wayland michael i sent you the command in discord as well so you can copy and paste that because you said you didn't know and you'll know after you run that all right let's test right now it works also we'll have that in the show notes for those who want to find out for themselves and i'm pressing enter and the answer is uh x11 (laughs) There you go. (laughs) So there we go. Answer is, we got it. (laughs) Yep. Well, there was something I wanted to add to this was, for instance, right now, I'm running uh, Window Maker using XWayland, and it's running beautifully. So it it will run the older desktops with XWayland, and a lot of of the games that I've had a few issues with on Wayland run well on XWayland. (laughs) <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So it's just, there's just so much work being done. And so many of the big distros had made the announcements that way there's, they're not going to be supporting X11. It's going to be Wayland. Yeah. So, well, I think it's a very safe prediction. We're going to see a ton of growth in Wayland <laughs> for sure. Like, uh, I don't know. Everyone will be switched, but they should. I mean, because that's the only way we're going to get some of these bugs that are out there fixed. Yeah, we, Michael, we need to get a lot more people. Yeah. All right, close us out on our predictions, Michael. Give us our last prediction here. All right. Be bold. This, I don't know uh-huh. how to express this because people might think this is like, oh, we control this. But I think it's going to be much bigger than that, right? So I don't know exactly what it might be. Uh-huh. But in some form or another, uh-huh. there will be some enormous change Whoa. or huge announcement. <laughs> okay. That will happen for us here at Tux Digital. Okay. Wow. Like a negative thing or a good thing? Oh, happy. Please, happy. Well, technically, I didn't specify. Just <laughs> so my prediction is, who knows? Something but I'm leaning towards the happen. positive. Okay. Right. You're leaning towards Yay. the positive. All right. Uh, it'd be good to let me know what that is as your business partner. Um, well, that's the thing. The prediction <laughs> is based on I don't know what it will be. We don't even know. And We're just going to do something big this year. Yeah, at some point during the year. We do, do year, something big every year. Oh, that's true. We'll grow more. We grow more every Ooh, year. 
we could end up getting into our bank account. That would be huge. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> that would be amazing. We will successfully do something that has eluded us for so long. Because the security is so bad. I'm actually going to send them Collide's information. I'm going to send them Collide's information after this. Because <laughs> I have an email trail with them when they can't get anything working. I'll be like, look, you guys need to switch to Collide. You really yeah, you, sh- you, sh- you should do it. I think Here's that's the link, good. Please. Yeah. Make, make your system not so terrible. <laughs> All right, it's so like, it's like the switch from Pulse Audio to Pipewire. Yeah. <laughs> and from mm-hmm. Aus to Elsa and Elsa. To- this episode of Destination Linux is sponsored by Linbit. Linbit has been keeping digital businesses running for over 20 years. They're the makers of open source products like DRBD, which is high availability software that has been part of the Linux kernel since 2010, and Linstore, industry-leading open source software-defined storage. Linbit has an active presence in the open source community, and they collaborate with the community to help identify and build new features. Linbit provides enterprise-grade software that runs on a variety of platforms and OSs without vendor lock-in. What that means is, is that you could choose the software on any platform, including specific hardware that you want to use or just off-the-shelf hardware that you get and connect it. You get, all of this stuff can be interchanged really easily. And with DRBD and Linstore, you can have high-speed replicated block storage in almost any configuration, whether it's Kubernetes, Apache Cloud, or Open Nebula. There's even DRBD proxy for long-distance replication. Linbit is run by its founders to this day, and all of its engineers and developers are in-house with offices in Europe and North America, which allows them to have global 24-7 support to complement their enterprise offerings. Visit linbit.com to learn more about the people behind Linbit and the awesome software for block storage, duplication, and more. While we were out, Zorn OS 17 released. And Jill, you mentioned I was on Blend OS, and I hated leaving Blend OS, but I had to try Zorn. So That's I'm actually right. on Zorn That's now. That's right. Yes. And I've been on Zorn since I released my video on Zorn out there. And... Zorn OS is very impressive. Like there's just mm-hmm. that's true. W- when it comes to looks, um, it is it, it's very to be good looking. I very mean, good looking. You could argue that it might be one of the beautiful, if not most beautiful, distros. It's oh, kind of yeah, like absolutely. the Ryan of yeah. Linux distros. It's beautiful. Like I don't understand what you're saying. It's gorgeous. <laughs> so uh, the prior version it, so. sixteen. It's buff and cute. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Zorin is like the Ryan of Linux distros. It's a gym, bro. <laughs> Zorin writes us, please don't ever do that again. Yeah, don't ever describe our distro like that. <laughs> please. Uh, the prior version 16 is said to have had 6.2 million downloads, which I think nice. is quite impressive. Mm-hmm. So 17 uh, hopefully surpasses that number for them. Uh, some of the key features, lots of performance optimization, making it so you can run Zorin on just 1.5 gigabytes of RAM. So despite all of the beauty, and there's a lot and a lot of gorgeous extra features and everything else they've added, they managed to actually lower the memory requirements on Zorin, which I think is pretty impressive. Um, the Zorin menu is now overhauled, making it faster, smoother, easier, and multitasking has gotten better with their spatial desktop. So you got the 3D cube animations, which I know the other desktops can do, but you've got spatial window switching with 3D windows, making it easier to identify which windows you're switching to when you're scrolling through and a bunch of new effects and other things. And somehow this is GNOME. Um, somehow this is GNOME, I say, because yep. it has things like 
app indicator panels and yeah, tab icons. Yeah. It also has icons yeah. on the desktop and yeah, so all sorts of stuff and tons of it settings. Looks nothing like GNOME in any way. Yeah. So the 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 DE of Zorin is very beautiful, but also it's it's a unique style, and also it's cool that they have the. Uh, change of the interface. You can go in and switch it and just make it do, you know, all different types of layouts and stuff like that. If you want to look at, make it look like Windows or make it look like Mac or make yep. it like whatever, you can do that sort of thing, which is really cool. But the Zorin stuff, like the the spatial desktop, the desktop cube I've always looked at is something that's really cool, but not that useful. Like it's a cool thing to show someone, but you wouldn't use it on a daily basis because it's kind of slow. And the spatial desktop takes that and makes it more useful because you can have uh, more indicators and more easily see which uh, application you're using. And I really like that approach because they're taking something that is a eye candy and then making it a functional eye candy, which I like. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they also in their software store have apt snap and flat pack packages. So you're not just stuck with if you're one of those people utilize Ubuntu, but you don't really want, because this is an Ubuntu base, you don't want to be stuck with just snaps. You've got the option all built into their store right off mm-hmm. the install, which is, I think, really cool yeah. to have that unified coercion there on all of those. Honestly, I feel like a distro based on Ubuntu not using snaps is a missed opportunity, you know, because snaps are useful. Yeah. Like the, the whole thing 100%. about some people who... Uh, hate the snaps for whatever reason. We could go into a longer top, you know, the future episode and go and actually like talk about why people hate it and stuff like that. But the thing I think about is that snaps have a particular purpose. Some application developers prefer snaps versus flat packs and app images and that sort of thing. And having all three is kind of to me a no brainer because it means you have applications of like all types and you know yeah. you have the whole gambit and you also have like the dev stuff and as, as well so you basically get everything as you know instantly and that's the better approach for usability in my opinion mm-hmm. because why would you want to put a barrier in front of a user for any reason yeah absolutely um you've got screen recording built in so right from the panel, I can just mm-hmm. click screen record up in the upper corner and boom, it just starts recording the screen, which is really yeah. dope. And I think that's a GNOME feature. So that that's an indication that it's GNOME. Yep. And <laughs> I did a whole video on this and it blew up. Like 13,000 yeah. of you all were like, I want to see what the Zorin OS is. And I got the pro version, which is $48. And there's also the community edition, which is completely free that you can check out. It doesn't have all the different themes and stuff, but you can... A lot of the software and pre-installed stuff from the pro version, you can go install yourself. It's just, hey, do you want something for 48 bucks to help support a cool company and get all the stuff done for you? Sure, why not? And uh, that's what I did and really have enjoyed Zorn OS. There's one thing, though, that really frustrated me, and that is that they don't use Pipewire. And so while you can go install Pipewire yourself, they do include as part of the pro package some pro audio software. And I'm like, why you got pro audio software, but they didn't pre-install Jack and they don't have Pipewire on there. And okay, so that's a good point. To me, that's a miss on their part. And so that was one of my big recommendations to them is to make sure they do the Pipewire. Now you could add in Pipewire really easily. Uh, I've got instructions on my video how to do that if you want, but that was one thing that I thought was a miss. But I want to get your, I got a lot of comments about the $48. Some people really thought that was excessive. 
Um, some people like one of my recommendations is it would be great to know that they actually took some of those dollars and gave it to some of the projects they rely on to make Zorin OS, like, you know, even Ubuntu and Gnome and all these projects, um, versus just kind of keeping that for themselves because that's pretty costly and they sell to a lot of enterprises and schools and things out there. Um, what do you guys think about the 48 bucks too much? Just right. I thought it was fine. Actually, (laughs) Yeah. Forty-eight uh, to fifty dollars. I think it is is reasonable um, because also they give you support as well. Yes. So you know that's that's worth it right there. For, I got to break for, something so I could test their support. Yeah. 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 Figure that out. Uh, I. What do you think, Michael? Forty-eight dollars too much? I don't think it's too much at all. No, I think that's a. A, a reasonable amount. I mean, they could make a different tier if they wanted to for other features and make like a $24 one, uh, something like that. So you could have like a half step mm, if you wanted. That's a good idea. But I think the 48 is fine. I also think the whole idea of it's okay if they do this, you know, I think that is yeah. sort of messed up because it's, it's a company at the same time as it's a community uh, like driven thing where they want to make it for the users, but they also need to be like uh, the whole concept of community only distributions are, is a really cool thing, but you have to look at the fact that 90% at okay, at least 80%, I would say probably 90% of the progress and the ability for the ecosystem to grow as fast as it has over the years is because companies are involved. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to even charge for it. Or, you know, if they want to have other tiers that are even more expensive to get even more stuff, feel free. I think it's totally fine to do that. And I think that if as long as you are offering something for that money and it's not just, well, you know, thanks, you know, it's, you're doing something for it. Why not? I don't see a problem whatsoever. I I 100% agree with you. I think it's completely fine that they want to charge for this. I think the $48 is fine. My one hangup is I think a part of that money, even a small part of it, even $4 or $5 of it, should go to the underlying projects that make Zorin OS possible. They should be donating to some of the software that they're prepackaging. Or if you know if they don't want to uh, donate to Ubuntu or something else because those are already big corporations, fine. But you package a bunch of software in there, give it back to some of those developers, and maybe they do. But I think they should make that apparent in their um, pricing scheme, saying, "Hey, some of this goes to other uh, software organizations and open source that sure. don't have the ability." I think that would go a long way with somebody being more willing to drop. 48, 50 bucks. But keep in mind, they have a community edition that's completely free. That you have to, you don't have to pay anything for that you can use as well. So one of us is gorgeous. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's absolutely beautiful. That you can tell they put a lot job. of work they into put it. So they put a lot of work. love into it. Yeah. Yeah. And actually one of my favorite features of Zorin is that it has great support for older hardware with their Zorin OS Lite, which mm-hmm. uses the XFCE desktop. And I know a lot of schools that are actually using Zorn because they have old computers around. Yeah. And that's just that's just wonderful. And I'm actually currently running it on one of my late 2015 Intel iMacs. In fact, the last time we talked about Zorin, I installed it on one of my old iMacs and it runs yeah. beautifully. Right. Yep. It's, yeah, it's I, beautiful. Check out I think my video. I think it's really cool, and I think that the topic about should you pay for it and should you not, and that sort of thing is uh, a very also a long topic. But we talked about the whole 
Um, you mentioned the fact that if they donated to projects that they relied on, that would be, I mean, they pro- we don't know, they might, but they probably exactly. do. But, yep. but if they were more upfront about it and told you that, it would make it would basically make it where the people who were hesitant because of that would be more likely. And I think that's a good idea. So if Zorin, you are doing that, I would I think it is a good idea that you would do that. I also uh, did some research while we were talking to see exactly when Ubuntu put in Pipewire, and it was after twenty two oh four. It was twenty two ten, and Zorin is based on twenty two oh four which is a good reason why it doesn't have Pipewire by default because the stack yeah. is they could made put it for it. In there. They could put they, it in there. They could do that. They could do that. But I also think that this is kind of like a, another topic we could say for another day is what's best, rolling release or LTS? Because there's rolling pros and release. cons for both. No, it's easy. <laughs> we, Episode we've over. Roll credits. down that rabbit hole before. <laughs> Roll credits. Rolling release. <laughs> Ryan, rolling. Rolling (laughs) release credits. Take us into gaming. Uh, It's a new year. I picked a fantastic game for you. Yes, you did. Once Mm -hmm. again. So... You know exactly what Jill Aww. wants. So you pick some like unicorns and rainbow oh, yeah. stuff, right? Something happened. Yep. No, he didn't. <laughs> Not this time. <laughs> Ryan knows how much I love horror games. Mm. <laughs> so I was thrilled when he found this gem. Scream or die. This uh, this is a first person horror game. Um, goal is for you, the player, to get out of the maze with creepy demonic animatronics and yeah i haven't i haven't heard the word animatronics (laughs) since chuck e cheese yeah since chuck e cheese exactly (laughs) and so your your players lives are reduced when the animation comes close and in order to scare the creature you need to scream by pressing the f key very quickly on the keyboard (laughs) and the scream has a cooldown so you need to think very carefully about what when to scream and when to run away. So this game is to me a creepy carnival of creatures and clowns. Yes. But in a dungeon crawler type maze Beautiful. setting. That's actually kind of fun. <laughs> you did enjoy it. Yes. <laughs> I did enjoy it. And you'll have fun traversing the maze and trying to escape. If you're good enough, you might find yourself on the leaderboard as well. <laughs> so so I looked up what is the phobia of animatronics called, and it's automatonophobia. Oh, automatonophobia. yeah, yeah. Because there's been so many movies recently, like Five Nights at Freddy's, which was a video game before, and then there was a bunch of other movies that have come out, all with these animatronic Chuck E. Cheese-like environments where they have these killer yeah. animatronics coming at you. And when I saw this, I was like, scream or die. That sounds amazing. Joe will love it. <laughs> It turns out you did. Um, I actually did like it. So you don't have a fear of, uh, you don't have automatonophobia. No, I don't. Apparently. And this is all, this one's kind of, it's done in a tongue in cheek way. So, you know, you can have fun with it. What, what (laughs) horror movie character scared you the most as a child? I'm afraid to admit this. Uh, To me, it was Chucky. So I remember being a little kid and I had a babysitter and she was sleeping like a good babysitter does. Uh, paying no attention oh, to boy. me. And this Chucky Child's Play commercial comes on the television. And this guy's like, sorry, Jack, Chucky's back. I jumped behind her while she was sleeping and like hit. That doll scared the crap out of me. My parents then bought me a My Buddy doll. 
I Which beat, is similar oh, looking. Oh, yeah. I beat the crap out of I'm not joking. I beat the crap out of this doll <laughs> under my bed. I beat it under my bed and pushed all of this stuff against it so it could never come and get me because that was my big fear was Chucky, you know? And so that that was mine. I'm not afraid to admit it. Uh, you can make fun of me in the comments me. if you want. Chucky is scary as heck, man. Little I mean, it, is, it actually, I don't, I don't like red Chucky hair. movies. They're creepy. But also, uh, as a kid, that's like traumatizing type yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think that that one is uh, definitely on the top of it. Uh, like, and, you know, top five for sure. Yeah. Uh, as a kid, I think uh, probably it. Ooh. Pennywise. Yeah, Pennywise. That's a yeah. strong yeah. one. Yeah, I guess yeah. that yeah. would. Good. For me, it's The Exorcist. <laughs> okay, because that, that makes came sense. out in '73, yep. and I was a little kid when I saw <laughs> when I saw it in like '74. Parents let you watch it as a little kid? Uh, it was accidental. Okay, <laughs> and gotcha. I had nightmares for. Well, I still have nightmares. And that still scares people to this day. That yeah. was yeah, a, that's a classic. You know, there was also I forgot what this. I can't remember the the original, um, the original name of the movie, but there was the the Japanese version. It's called Juon. And it's uh, J U O N. The ring, right? The it's yeah, maybe the, the ring. Yeah, yeah, the ring. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I I, I don't remember. I never watched the movie, but there's a video game for the Wii, the, the original <laughs> Wii that you could play, and the Wii is basically a flashlight, and you just hope to get out of the thing where the ring, like the whatever. What was the name of that villain? It was like was that the Grudge or was that something else? Well, there was the little girl that crawled out of the TV, and that's the ring. Yeah, that's 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 it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what yeah. she was named. I'm sure there is a name, but I don't know what it was. But I'll tell you a story oh. about the ring. I was a grown adult in a movie theater, and I was the only person in the theater, and it was storming outside when I went to watch the ring. And I'll tell oh, you, no. I was looking around like this half the time in that movie. That movie scared me as an adult. Laugh all you want, fight me. Real no, life. it's it's it is it is definitely freaky. <laughs> like yeah. that movie is freaky, and I I'll, she I, came I, crawling out of that TV, my skin just like oh man, the bumps. Luckily, oh, it wasn't whew. a 3D movie. <laughs> oh man, I might have been. I might have broken the theater. I might have thrown a chair. Oh boy. <laughs> there, there, so uh, on another side note of this, uh, the Paranormal Activity movie was like yeah. this huge movement to get it to your local theaters and blah, blah, blah. And I went with my brother and my brother challenged me. He's like, if it's really scary, I want you to stand up and scream like a little girl. <laughs> and I said, he's like, I'll give you a hundred bucks if you do it. And I was like, absolutely. I will do that. That's hilarious. I won't even, I, you don't even have to pay me. That's just hilarious. Yeah. And um, it wasn't scary. It was an super never, boring movie. And I was stood up and screamed. I didn't even get shocked at all. It no. was a very boring movie, and it was basically not, not scary at all. I don't even like horror movies. Yeah. And I, I was not scared. It was so boring. And the worst part is that everything that was scary was in the trailer for the movie, it so you saw everything anyway. Yeah. It happens so, a lot. That was disappointing. But we should probably move on to the next topic. Software <laughs> Spotlight. It's not Halloween. That would have been a good Halloween special. It would have right been there. a really good one. Yeah. All right. Jill, what's our Software Spotlight? So the software spotlight this week is WhatsApp on the desktop. Right. Now we know, you know, a lot of people prefer more privacy focused chat apps like Signal or Element, like like we use here on Destination Linux sometimes to right. talk to each other. However, well, to, but technically <laughs> WhatsApp is technically kind of encrypted, sort of kind, kind of, of technically kind if of, you trust of. Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. 
but sometimes you, you need to be where your friends and family are. And right. it's nice to know that you can access your WhatsApp messages from your desktop to create a seamless experience between your mobile and desktop if you're forced to, to use WhatsApp. And all you have to do to sync your computer from your WhatsApp application on your phone is by taking a picture of a QR code. That's it. So, you know, check out the flat pack and then remember to never trust WhatsApp encryption. So just use it for hellos, what's up, and gifts. Then you should be good. You should be okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, real quick, I just want to say that WhatsApp is a fantastic name. And the first time I heard it, it I was like, yeah. that's just WhatsApp. Like, that's so good. Such a good name. Uh, too bad it's uh, owned by Facebook and slash meta. But also... It's interesting because you were talking about like, what if you have your friends and family on WhatsApp? If you are in the US, there's a high percentage they're not. But if you're in some other country, yes, it is oh, massive huge in Europe, everywhere. Yeah. So, uh, the f yeah. so last the first time I went to the Ubuntu Summit, which is 2022, <laughs> I went. To, we went to Europe. It was in uh, Prague in Czech Republic, yeah. and uh, it was very interesting because. So many people were like, what's your WhatsApp? Like, what? The, I, and they were shocked that I didn't have WhatsApp. Yeah. So that is a very <laughs> interesting thing because very. it is super popular. And since our show is viewed slash listened to in over 190 countries, I think this is a really good software spotlight. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And EOS, when I did my EOS review, which I still have and still Ooh. adore and love, uh, one of the questions was, hey, can it run WhatsApp? Because that's critical to me being able to communicate with my family. And so okay. I tested WhatsApp and it's a really good app. Like it's really good. I mean, I'm not surprised it's that good. It has over a billion users. Um, obviously, I'm more integrated with Jill and Michael and my friends and Signal, but I get why WhatsApp is so popular. It's very cool. And I think a lot of people save a ton of money doing their calls and FaceTime. Oh, yeah. But I think it's because it. like SMS is basically free in the US yeah. and in other countries, not, not so much. Yeah. Right. So uh, it makes a lot of sense for them. But WhatsApp is also a really good application well in terms of like features and whatnot and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, I might all hate those on pros Facebook a little less because they gave us open source llama and, uh, you know, so there's <laughs> something there. They also did a lot of work on ButterFS too. Yeah. There you go. So they've Michael, done a few things that are good. Dropping the knowledge bombs. In fact, yeah. drop us another knowledge bomb, number two, for our tip and yeah. trick. Uh, absolutely. So here's the next tip of the week, and that is something we've covered before. So uh, we've done now 355 episodes, mm -hmm. and that means we've had a lot of tips of the week and lots of software spotlights, and sometimes it kind of overlaps and we redo uh, partially because we think I didn't it's write really any good. of this michael i don't understand where you're going with this well you'll see in a second okay. so so basically it sometimes it's because we uh, just forgot it was on the thing maybe or sometimes it's because it's so good it needs to be reiterated and that Ooh. sort of thing because maybe it's like a couple years later or something like that so this particular thing is on the show because it's vzf the fuzzy finder and Ryan's memory is sometimes a bit fuzzy. So it makes sense <laughs> that he would be using. Also, he had a fuzzy brain situation where he was sick previously. So That's it so makes true. sense so that he would. We did cover this before. Also, we did. Now, to so be good. fair, 
because you been a long time. I, I saw this and I thought, didn't we do this before? Mm-hmm. And I looked it up and you know, it's okay that you forgot because it was three years ago. Oh, and I, okay. I think it's totally fine to bring it back because it is pretty cool because it's unlike any other file search commands. Uh, basically VZF is an interactive finder dialogue that, fi- that finds stuff and filters things as you type it out on the command mm-hmm. line. And this is more like how like a GUI search thing would do. Yes. And it could be very, very convenient and very fast. And it's simple to use. All you got to do is install the VZF package, open a terminal, type VZF. And then when you start typing whatever you want to search for, it automatically starts finding things and interactively so filtering fast. everything. And so awesome. it's pretty cool. Too. It's so fast. It's so good. I can't believe yeah. this. It shows you like we've done the show so many times. We've done so many tips and tricks. I've researched so many tips and tricks over the years. Uh, and sometimes because I'm distro hopping or switching, I forget about stuff. But FCF, you just type FCF. Don't mm-hmm. type what you're searching for after it. Just FCF, hit enter after you install it. And then uh, in your terminal, and then it will, yeah, you just start typing some of the keywords. It automatically knows to like look for lowercase or uppercase. Like it's not case sensitive. Like it's just, it's so good, man. And the way it interactively finds your files so fast, like it's it's really the index. It's very is incredible. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for those who are curious why it's called fuzzy searching, that is basically the, the model and the algorithm that it's used to find the things instead of using for a specific thing. It's using a system where it's showing it based on character and kind of automatically choosing things based on what you're typing as you type. So as you type more, it starts finding more things. That way it can show you things faster than if it waits for you to enti- like a do a fuzzy. specific search query, that sort of thing. It's fuzzy. Yeah. All right. And it's also pretty fuzzy. Well, <laughs> Michael's Whatever. prediction has come true because we have some huge news for the show. We're going to scale 2024. Woo-hoo! From March 14th through the 17th. What are the odds of that? I mean, did, how <laughs> would anybody be able to know that we were doing yeah. a, a, a thing huge. at scale? Like that, yeah. That's a shocker to everyone, right? Yeah. Wait, hey, hey, Ryan, where is scale this year? That's a good question. If you want to come hang out with me and Michael, and Jill will be there too. Especially <laughs> Jill. Especially Jill. Let's, let's you want to head it. to Pasadena, California at the Pasadena <laughs> Convention Center. Oh, that's gotcha. where it will Yay. be. Yeah. And you can nice. meet the entire DL crew plus all the amazing vendors and presenters there. And yes, Jill will be there too. Aww. Jill will be there too. Especially Jill. <laughs> Especially Jill. <laughs> and this scale is going to be the first annual NixCon North America, the very first NixCon. So for right. the, all those, we were talking about NixCon earlier, or yeah, Nix OS, I mean, <laughs> earlier. That's cool. Also, uh, Scale has a, a bunch, uh, I don't know how many, but they have a few that are kind of like um, sister conferences that are sort yeah. of like happening at the same time. Also, UbuCon is Ubu happening Con? there too. Yeah, it's yeah. been since 2019 that we haven't had UbuCon. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, they call them co-located events. And there's lots of them this time. This is yeah. probably the most co-located we've ever had. So it's not, you're not just getting scale. You're getting all these little mini conferences. <laughs> well. I would prefer it to be a location cooperative conference. So it's loco. Loco, yeah. <laughs> locos. Loco moco. All right, let's shut Michael down here. Big thank <laughs> you to each and every one of you for supporting us by watching or listening to Destination Linux. However you do it, we love your faces. 
Come join us on our Discord. Go to tuxdigital.com slash Discord. Go hang out with the community. There's all kinds of stuff. You want to talk about Jim Bro stuff? It's there. You want to talk about Linux? It's there. You want to talk about scary movies that scared you when you were a child? It's there. If you want to make fun of me for being scared of Chucky, you've got to do that in person. you got to do it face-to-face. Uh, you got to do that in person. Yeah. yeah. California. March 14th through the 17th. No, you can make fun of me in the Discord chat there as well. And make fun of Michael's uh, weak thumbs right there in Discord. <laughs> yeah. I will figure out where that comes from. Discord. I think I have a, a it was rough a game idea. controller split keyboard. Uh, no, it was thing. A, system seventy six keyboard right? issue. Yeah, it was <laughs> a system seventy six <laughs> keyboard. System seventy six was fault that we yeah. did that. <laughs> it was system seventy six. You got to make up for it. We get bringing us cat cosmic very soon. Yeah, there you go. And um, forgot where I was going to go with that. Go on, Mike. Good job. Good Thanks. job. <laughs> So if you want to check out all, all the great perks that you can get by becoming a patron, you can go to tuxdigital.com slash membership. You can join us on the Discord at the special patron-only section of our Discord, as well as many other things, such as watching us live as we do this show. When do we and record, Ryan forgets what he's talking about. And, I know. Uh, somebody what? wants to know, when do we record oh, this show? Well, we record <laughs> on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern, and uh, 4 p.m. Pacific. There you go. And you in the live. European times uh, that we, we're recording at, I'm sorry. So <laughs> if you're a patron, you become a patron, then you come up on Wednesday, and then what you do is you'll get your link on the patron page, and you'll come join and watch us live. And there's a whole bunch of other content you miss. There are things we discuss that never yeah. make it in the show. <laughs> Wendy's too embarrassed to put it in the show, so she cuts it out. <laughs> He's embarrassed for us. Yes. That's how nice of an editor Wendy is. Right. So, and we also have our patron-only post show that happens every week after the show. So you get all of this and more because it's not just Destination Linux you get when you become a patron. You get a patron of the entire network. So tuxdigital.com slash membership to get that and so much more. Also, go to tuxdigital.com slash store right now, and you can get a ton of cool stuff. Like we have swag like t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, coasters, and we have the shirt I'm wearing that this weekend, or the, I'm not wearing that. I'm wearing the, the Linux is Everywhere shirt. <laughs> and also we have the Destination Linux shirt that Jill is wearing, and Ryan is being a massive slacker today. But I do have a red hat. Absolutely you not. cannot get I it mean, at the store. But That's it is true. You, you, it is uh, it is Linux related, but it's not Tux Digital related. So it's a it's a, I'll give you like a a twenty five percent credit, but mostly failure. Just yeah. a little hint here: the holidays are right around the corner. You want to get something special for Valentine's Day? Or oh, your the holidays are right around the corner. Yeah, yeah. there's Valentine's Day coming it's, up. I love the fact that you're now, you're like you used to say Christmas is right around the corner. Now it's just holidays because you're probably going to be right roughly around every of couple months or so. But like, if you want to tell your wife how much you love her, you're going to want to get her a, a Tux Digital t-shirt or a Jill t-shirt. Yeah. Uh, Especially you, if her name is Jill. If her name is not Jill, that might be a little awkward. might be weird. Yeah. might be a little awkward. But you, we are also going to make some stuff that's Jill-focused, Jill-centric, where it, as it shows vibrancy and joy and fun. Yeah. Basically, Jill's personality in a shirt. In a shirt. And I actually it will mocked be, up a design for it, and we were working on that, a video. That is awesome. Good. Yes, it is awesome, by the way. And But, oh my I, but I, I will say <laughs> that... We're going to do some that are non-Jill name-specific so that if you're not named Jill, you could still get it, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, and also, of course, we're going to make a especially Jill shirt 
And uh, I will say, Ryan, it was your your idea was not polished. It was not the best. But I will give you some credit. It wasn't total garbage. It was like, creative. Usually. That's what I do. I hand you some creative idea, and then you make the shirt now. You haven't done your well, job. You were well, supposed okay. to have it done before Christmas. I'm so excited. I don't you even, are slacker. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> to, be, to be fair to me, Aww. okay, mm-hmm. to, in my defense, Late. your ideas are using basic clip art where you don't have to do much of anything. But it's all mocked up, I, so all you have to do is redraw it with your stupid little <laughs> talent of drawing. Like, like it's that hard. With your stupid little talent. Like, just use your talent, man. <laughs> Come on, dude. Aww. So if you want to check out any of the stuff that we currently have and future stuff, go to TuxDigital.com slash store. And make sure to check out all the incredible shows here on TuxDigital. That's right. We have an entire network of shows to fill your entire week with geeky, geeky goodness. Check out This Week in Linux for your source for Linux Weekly Good News, That's hosted right. by, by our very own Michael Tunnell. It's a weekly Never video podcast that, yeah, that Michael that hosts that takes you through all the happenings of Linux and open source each and every week. And everybody, head to textual.com and subscribe to all our incredible shows. And don't forget to leave a rating on your favorite app so others can discover the power of open source and keep those penguins marching and the full Monty of Linux and open source awesome sauce. Absolutely. And everybody, I want to reiterate, go check out This Week in Linux because the, the guy who hosts that show is yeah. just fantastic. He's awesome and super humble, by the way. So be sure to check that out. I heard he and comes. Well, he, I mean, he can't be perfect. Everybody have a great week and remember <laughs> that the journey itself <laughs> is just as important as the destination. Bye, everyone. See you next week. <laughs> Did Jill do the thumb <laughs> thing too? <laughs> like he can't. His fingers, his thumbs are frozen. He's like, how do you wave them? <laughs>